And I remember the Elsa speech even more uh, than the other one. And cause I can remember just, I mean, almost in tears uh, crying and I can't, because all I can think about in this speech is you dressed up as Elsa jumping out of a closet at work. And I just thought, Oh my gosh, like that's, you can't, um, you can't win. You can't beat that. Welcome world to another episode of Nobody's a Nobody podcast with me, Mike McVeigh. This is the podcast where I interview people I find absolutely fascinating, and I believe you will too if you give them a chance. This week, we have my insurance guy, Drew Waters, and the hot dog song of the week is Adam Driver by Pabu. We want to also make sure that we always support my favorite charity, my favorite nonprofit, Our Neighborhood Empowered, which is O-N-E-O-K-C.org. And our shout out businesses of the week are Dulce Paradiso. I can't ever speak Italian very well, but it's a gelato place over there in Oklahoma City. They also have a location in Edmond. Uh, They have some great snacks. They have eclairs. They have gelato. Lots of stuff you probably shouldn't eat, but if you're going to, you might as well go to a quality place like that. And I also want to give a shout out to Drew's uh, insurance um, agency, Allstate Insurance with Drew Waters. And basically, you just email him, drewwaters at allstate.com, and you can get a hold of him. Now, Drew and I met through Toastmasters, and we're going to talk a little bit about Toastmasters, but we're going to focus more on insurance. In fact, I started kind of grilling him about different things with insurance, so make sure to stay tuned to that, and then... We'll listen to Jarvix and Pabu. So let's do what we normally do and jump in with Drew. Well, it was in a contest, wasn't it? And it was a humorous speech contest. That was the first time I heard your Walmart speech. I always had felt pretty confident with the humorous speech contest. I just felt like that was kind of my my niche and, and that's where I felt confident. But I remember seeing you and I remember thinking, crap if i gotta go against this guy anytime soon i'm gonna have to step up my game i I won't lie beating you at division that year though gave me a lot more confidence that i had a chance at state and uh had i not i mean of course i hadn't beaten you i wouldn't have gone to state (laughs) (laughs) but um but that gave me confidence that if i mean is there really anybody that can be funnier than drew and i don't know lorette had a great speech that year but I don't know if anybody else would have been able to beat that speech. And honestly, no one else has ever beaten that speech. So I take it a luck of the, I had, I just had the great day that you were kind of flat and I just had some, and didn't hurt me that another person, Marley had another speech about um, not necessarily Walmart in general, but just a superstore style place. Um, that was his speech. So it kind of double whammied you there, the lack of energy and another person sharing that topic. <laughs> yeah, I remember that because I remember thinking, man, there must be a lot of jokes about Walmart because two people <laughs> to randomly write a speech about kind of that whole setting. And, you know, that's, you know, what you were kind of mentioning, that's, that's always been kind of the beauty and the curse of the speech contests in Toastmasters is, you know, when you've gone from from club to area to division to district line, you, and you make it all the way and you, and you give the same speech the entire time. It never ceases to amaze me that the last time I give that speech at the highest level, that speech usually looks a lot different than the very first time I gave it, you know, four times ago at the club level. And the beauty of it is that every time you give it, you can critique it and you can get better at it and you can find what jokes land and which ones don't. And, 
you know, what motivates people and what, what really engaged your audience. But then the, the curse of it can be that, you know, sometimes if you're not, if it's the fifth time you've given it, you know, then it's like, sometimes it's hard to keep that, that, um, I guess that stage presence or that energy right. level and deliver it like you did the first time. My wife will help me with a lot of my speeches and, and she's helped me write a lot of them. And I have found that whenever she says, I don't think you should do that joke. I have found that, that it's, that's usually like a coin toss 50, 50, like either one, she's dead, right. And I've pushed it too far. Or I've said, or it's not going to be that funny or it's absolutely hilarious. And I'm glad I left it in there. So it's usually, it's usually one of the two when she says, I don't know if I would tell that joke. I'm like, Ooh, but should I? Cause when you say don't that sometimes, sometimes those are the best ones. I'm not sure. My wife has a little bit different track record. Whenever she says don't do it and it has anything to do with speech contest or something like this. And she knows this is true. Like we, we found uh -huh. this out the hard way. I went ahead and did it and it's a success <laughs> every single time. Now there's, there's other things like, um, if we're in a fight and she says, don't do that. And I do it, it doesn't go out nearly as well. It's a really horrible mistake, but we yeah, kinda, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Was the other speech that you gave that state championship? It was before I actually was in Toastmasters. Was that the one about, um, slipping and, um, at yes, the store? That, okay. Yeah. That, that was all about my, my first week at college and, and, and being on campus and not knowing anybody. And, um, I had some flip flops on that day and I, I slept, I stepped in something, you know, some puddle of something and, and, and I, I probably over-exaggerated to a certain point for the humor of things, but I really did fall and bust it hard. I mean, it was, it was a no joke fall and everybody did see it and it was true. I mean, it was embarrassing. <laughs> and, uh, but that was what that speech came from. And I remember a comedian, I can't, I, I think it was um, Sinbad of all comedians. I think it was him. I remember him saying that I don't care who it falls. If it's, if it's you, your mom or your grandma, when someone falls, it's funny. And I think that was what kind of sparked the idea for that speech. I thought, you know, that really is funny because no matter what happens, when someone falls, it really is funny. Even if they, even if they get hurt a little bit, there's still a part of it that's kind of funny. And so I just kind of used that as, as the spark for the, the speech and then just took off with it. And it did. And, you know, which was funny because at the time I was brand new to Toastmasters. I had no idea what I was doing at these contests. And I look back and I kind of think, well, you know, being naive and not knowing ignorance helped me out big time because I'm competing at the, you know, the division level and really have no idea what that means. And so I just kept, I just kept going and giving the speech and it kept winning. And I just kept thinking, all right, no big deal. And then it wasn't until afterwards that I thought, oh man, I beat out, you know, there's like a hundred clubs in the state and I beat mm -hmm. out all these people to get there. And there were, you know, this started with, who knows how many people at the, you know, at the first level. And then that's when it kind of hit me. And that's why I wanted to do it again. Cause I was like, I wonder if I can do it again, kind of with knowing the stakes, you know, can I go in there and still be competitive knowing what I'm going up against? And I'm glad I did. Cause I, I mean, the humor speech contest is my favorite. I love it. Yeah. It's my favorite as well. Let's talk a little bit about your speech that went to international because that was really the first, I believe it was either the first or second time you had actually entered international contest. And you talked a little bit about, uh, 
one of the things that's probably going to be in your title, being an insurance guy. And why don't you give us a little bit of the synopsis of that speech and you can go into detail however you feel necessary of telling us that journey. Yeah, that one was a, a weird, tough one. Um, I was I was working for State Farm and, and and was on this career path of being an agent for State Farm and in this job that, you know, was really supposed to be the next, you know, the step right before you go into agency. Um, and I did that for about a year and a half before finally I just didn't make it anymore. And I was really bitter about it for a long time because it was the first time where I felt like I had really failed at something. But I look back on it and I look at that job and I was only, gosh, 24, 25 years old when I took that job. And I look back on it and I was, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I really did. I was not ready for that job. It was a very entrepreneurial work on your own kind of job and results driven and and not that I can't do those things, but I couldn't do them then. And I, I, I wasn't, I didn't have enough experience to really understand what I was getting into with that job. And so when they told me I wasn't going to be an agent and that I had to go work claims, I mean, I remember being really bitter and upset and just mad at the world over it. And I went to work claims because I didn't know what else to do, but I, I didn't want to do that job. I was just in a bad mood all the time. And um, which is ironic because now that I've, I've become an agent with Allstate, I look back on my time and claims and I still didn't care for it, but it's the most valuable time I've ever spent. I learned more in that job and about myself and about insurance and how it works. I mean, that really prepared me, you know, to be an agency owner. And so I, I talked a lot about running in that video because I did I, I I didn't know really kind of how to handle my emotions with all of it so I just thought well you know I, I need to find something to keep me busy so I started I started running all the time because I've always loved exercise and working out and then I, I I guess because I had failed at that I had felt that there was like this need to achieve something and at the time it seemed like most it seemed like a lot of people I knew were all doing marathons that was the big deal is go run a you know so and so finally did a marathon and so I started running. And then as I was running and hearing more people come accomplish these marathons, I thought, you know what, what else is there besides a marathon? And I found an ultra marathon, which is a 50 mile race. And I said, you know what, I'm going to do that. <laughs> I said, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go for that one. And I trained and I trained for several months. And then I did this midnight madness run in Tulsa. It started at midnight. And we ran from midnight until I finished at one o'clock the next day. And I mean, I couldn't walk for, I don't know, a good week. I mean, my feet were swollen and bruised, but I think that process of running and really dedicating myself towards achieving something, I think I just need, I needed that in some way. And I found it with running and it really helped. I was going to say it really helped get me back on my feet, which is not a, you know, not an intended pun, but you know, it really did. I needed something that I could achieve and, and dedicate myself towards. And then once I was able to accomplish that, I felt like the I was happy with the world again. And I that's when I started pursuing a career back in owning an insurance agency. And I I I had looked into it and Allstate was the company that I wanted to go with. And I was lucky enough to go through the process and get this crazy opportunity in Oklahoma City 
I had grown up in Broken Arrow and that's where my wife and I were living and had two kids. And we thought, man, are we really going to do this? Are we really going to sell our house and leave everything behind and move to Oklahoma City where we don't know anybody and start this agency? We thought, this is crazy. But, you know, through a lot of prayer and a lot of faith, we kept taking steps. And, you know, my wife encouraged me the entire way. And, you know, she was a big part of helping me put everything together at the agency and still is a big part behind the scenes of taking care of, um, you know, bookkeeping and accounting and taxes and stuff. And, and it's, it's been the greatest decision I've ever made. I love it here. I never would have imagined I would, Oklahoma City would have grown on me like it has. And, and I just, I love it. It's a great place to be. We've made so many friends. We've really plugged in. Um, the, the kids, the school our kids go to is fantastic. Um, couldn't have worked out any better. Now, how long have you been in Oklahoma City? Well, it'll be it's six and a half years. It'll be seven this July, which okay. is crazy because it, it just it goes by so fast. Um, and it's, it's been neat. We, we, when we got here, my son was just starting kindergarten which for some weird reason was important to both of us. Cause I re I re my wife and I both grew up in a school system where we went to the same school from kindergarten all the way through senior year. And I just think, I mean, not that it's a bad experience if you don't get that, but it's a cool experience if you can do it. And we really wanted that for our kids. And so it was nice to kind of get in here right in time for him to start kindergarten and, and get into that school system. And uh, now he's, you know, he'll be finishing up the sixth grade this year. It's crazy. Yeah. And now you get to deal with junior high and middle school problems. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, my gosh. So on insurance, now, I don't, I really don't know a whole lot about the insurance side of things. And that's probably sad because I've already had you do so many things as my insurance agent. But <laughs> if I just go online to Allstate and I subscribe to a policy, do I automatically get assigned an agent or does it, or how does that work? Does it, or is it just kind of like all state gets kind of this kind of cool commission thing uh, that they don't have to pay out or like, what does that look like whenever, if someone's just doing an online version? Yeah. So when someone goes online, it, it can be frustrating for agents because we don't get paid the commission on it. I mean, we get paid a commission, but it's very little, but, but once the customer signs up online, you know, they call us, they come to our office, they have questions for us. And we end up doing, you know, oftentimes a lot of service work for them, which we don't mind, but it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you're like, well, I wish you would have just called me from the get go. So I could have helped you from the, from the beginning and, and, and gotten, you know, paid the full commission on every renewal. So, you know, it's, it's not the end of the world. We still get paid a little bit and every customer works out a little bit differently, but Sometimes I, and, and maybe it's just because of the way it works, but sometimes I feel like the ones that sign up online are the ones that end up taking up the most of our time after the fact, because they didn't really know what they were buying. You know, um, I have a lot of people and there's no shame in it. I didn't know until I started getting an insurance, but we have a lot of people that sign up for their home and auto policies and they, they don't know the difference between what a deductible is and what their premium is. They don't know. And they don't know how their deductible works. And they don't know if they have rental car coverage or what uninsured motorist coverage is. And do I need that or do I not? Or, you know, and so when they do it online, they run that risk. I mean, I, I know coming from an insurance agency at position, I'm a little biased, but I mean, you're 
you're signing up to protect your most valuable assets in your home and your auto, you would think that you'd want to make sure that someone looked over it and made sure that it was right. So, yeah, I feel like you're challenging me somehow, even though I didn't go online to do Yeah, insurance. you didn't go online. Um, <laughs> because I think I know the difference between a deductible and a premium. A deductible is what, if you get in a crash or collision, that is what the minimum or the maximum you would have to pay uh, before insurance takes over. Right. And then it, a uh, premium is the six month or 12 month total price you're paying to the insurance company that will get divided by six or divided by 12. However you have yep. that set up. Sweet. Yep. I, I learned See? something. You're ahead of most people. <laughs> I have a good insurance agent. What can I say? Yeah. So one of the things I guess, because so my story and, and I have to tell my version of this because so this one might be the one where I talk more Drew. Uh, you're and, good. So when I first found out you were an insurance agent and I was like, well, what do you sell and everything? And you're like, Oh, don't worry about it. You know, just, just whatever you're, whatever you have, I'm sure is fine and everything. I was like, well, no, I mean, you, you seem like a pretty cool guy. You seem pretty honest and stuff. Um, I'll eventually contact you and you're like, oh, okay. And I'm sure for multiple reasons, I completely get it. I get it. You know, people say, oh yeah, I'll contact you. But you never actually asked me to, you never brought it up. So um, it kind of, it took two years and certain circumstances to happen, but uh, we didn't do it necessarily because of money. I think we ended up saving money, but uh, that wasn't uh -huh. the reason why we switched over because <laughs> <I'm, laughs> I don't, I don't do things based on money, but I, I just looked as like the prices are comparable. I know who you are. I know you're a man of integrity. I know you're a man who... Um, if you say you're going to do something or if you tell me this, it's going to happen unless there's some kind of really weird thing. So uh, my wife didn't really, she was more worried about the money. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Once, once um, I showed her that, I think we ended up at the, I looked at the premiums wrong or something. Um, I looked at it that we were going to save a dollar 50 every six months uh -huh. because I was only looking at auto or something. I didn't add in the house and it took two years, but then now we've been with you, I think three or four years. Yeah. Uh, see, we started in 2014, so 20, well, yeah, so three or four years, something like that. Yeah. And um, and you've been a great insurance agent, as far as I know. I don't really know if you've been a great insurance agent. I just assume you have. <laughs> 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 We're still with you, so we ha you have to be doing yeah. something, right? <laughs> I, I check on, I, check, I try to check, I mean, I can't check every policy in the book all the time, but I, I definitely make it a point, especially for friends and family or, and, or even just customers that I meet you know, that I, I gain a relationship with, you know, I always try to make it a point when their policies renew to look at it. And if there's something that catches my eye, I like to call them. So sometimes I tell my friends, if you haven't heard from me, it doesn't mean I haven't looked at your stuff. It just means there's nothing to, you know, means everything's good, you know? So one of the things that I, I really have appreciated about you is like every time I've called, even if you've been busy with vacations or with another client, uh, you, you have a, staff there at your office that has been really good about getting me the answers most of the time without having to contact you, which makes me wonder how valuable you actually are. And then if they're not able to answer the questions, they're really good about either contacting you or having you contact me within about a day of getting those answers and stuff. And so that's one thing I've really appreciated. Um, so we talked about premiums and deductibles. What are some other things before someone decides to get an insurance agent, hopefully you, but I, or, well, let me ask, is that something that you're licensed in all States or is there, how, do, how does that work exactly? 
I'm just licensed in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, You can get a license in other states, but it costs money to keep up with them. And you have to keep up with that particular state's continuing education. So most agents don't usually don't do a dual state license unless they're on the border and they're servicing some towns that are nearby. Um, So I just do the state of Oklahoma. And um, but that is a common misconception. I think people think they have to be you know, in Oklahoma City, when in fact, anywhere in the state of Oklahoma, I can, you know, I can handle your home and auto or, or business or whatever. Um, but yeah, we don't, most of the time, people don't do the dual state stuff unless it's, um, you know, they live on the border of a state and they're going to get, you know, there's going to be enough business coming in from that um, to, to, to make the cost of keeping that license worth it. So even if I lived in Altus or Guyman or Idabel or Miami, yep. you could, you could cover that. Yep, absolutely. Okay. So that actually really is interesting. Uh, we had a customer recently who came in and they're like, I'm trying to switch my insurance to Oklahoma, but I can't find anybody in this small town middle of nowhere. And I really, I didn't know that. If I would have known, I would have said, hey, you should go talk to my insurance agent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's, that is really good to know. I, I Yeah. That's something I learned. What are some other things people should know before getting their car or house insurance or any other insurance you sell, what are some of the things that would help us be better customers for you or other insurance agents if we want to recognize them? Well, I, you know, I always tell people that, you know, insurance agents can't, we don't always get to make decisions on your claims and we don't always, you know, we, we don't have a magic wand where we can just magically make whatever you want happen or appear but man, I really have told people, you know, a good relationship with an agent that you really like and trust and, and that, you know, will fight for you can make a huge difference. Um, there's a lot of guys and a lot of people that sell insurance that just they want to turn the policy and make commission and then they don't ever really want to talk to you again. And, um, you know, what are you paying that person for if when you really need them, they just give you the 800 number they don't get involved and especially with the claims background that's helped me that's helped me a lot um whether i'm helping them with the claim that they filed with another company or with Allstate, you know i i can't always i can't always get all their dreams to come true but there have been a handful of times where i've been able to make a really positive impact and turn what was what was becoming a negative experience into a really good one and and it's always a good compliment to me because usually they don't think that the agent can get involved or help. And then they finally call me as a last resort. And I always take it as a compliment because they usually say, man, if I would have known you were going to fix everything, I just would have called you the first time three weeks ago when all this started. And I'm like, yes, yeah, from now on, at the very first sight of something that you don't like or that's not working for you, call me first and um, and we'll see what we can do. And oftentimes we can make things better. So when I was crashed into a few years ago, and as we learned from Jacqueline's episode, it's crash, not wreck. Right. (laughs) There is no accident. It's crash and collision. Um, (laughs) But when someone crashed into the back of me, the first person I called was actually Rob Trotter because I was on my way to Toastmasters. And I was like, Hey, let them know. I'm not going to be able to be Toastmaster of the day tonight. (laughs) (laughs) The second person I called was my boss and said, Hey, uh, what's the number to call to have the trooper come on scene since we're on a state highway. And then the third person I called was you. And the fourth person was my wife. 
<laughs> I'm sure she was not happy about being the fourth person now that she's listening to this at this point. <laughs> but but because of my boss knows troopers and stuff, I, that's one reason why I called him second. And I figured I probably wasn't going to be in the next day. <laughs> I let that knows. And I think the fifth person I called was actually my friend who's like, you need to go to the emergency room no matter just if nothing else, just to check out, which was really good because uh, I had to do some rehabilitation and stuff, which wouldn't have been picked up um, until probably a couple of years later, had I not gone immediately. Um, what are some other things that client potential clients or potential uh, customers or no, I was going to say it clue. What are some other things that potential people that are going to hire you need to know or should know that will make the interactions better? I mean, Obviously, you're a man of integrity. You're going to help us out. You're going to check on stuff. But, like, I don't know anything about insurance. What are some things that I need to ask my agent that will help me determine whether, if, if obviously it's not you, Drew, someone's living in Texas or Washington or something, or they're living in Belgium, it's going to be a little bit different. What do they need to know that could help them out uh, when they talk to their potential agent? Man, you know, so it, I, I find myself in two conversations almost all the time. You know, one of them is that, I always warn the customers. I said, if, you know, if, if you want to, if you want to go get a quote, make sure you're very careful not to say I'm, I'm shopping for price because I guarantee you whoever's on the other end of that line, that's wanting to make some money, he can make it as cheap as they want, you know, to a certain extent within the guidelines of that company, but they can make it really, really cheap. And then you don't find out till afterwards it's because they didn't put some of these extra coverages on there that really don't cost that much that could have saved you a lot of money, you know, when that time came around to file your claim. And so I always warn people when you, when you're shopping, you know, just let them know you're shopping insurance companies and you can give them all kinds of reasons, but I would never say it's because of price because the first thing, you know, a salesperson hears is, Oh, great. I'm going to make this as cheap as I can and come in low because that's because as the customer, you're kind of telling them that's all you care about. And so don't call and just say you're looking to shop for price because that's how you can end up in a bad policy. The other one that's interesting is uninsured motorist coverage. And I have this, I have this conversation almost every day because people don't understand what it is. And either people are, and every time I have it, people immediately are either like, okay, yeah, I definitely want to keep that or no, I'm good without that. And the, the biggest misconception misconception is that the uninsured motorist coverage is going to fix your car if you're in a collision with someone that doesn't have insurance and it's their fault, but it really does nothing to repair your vehicle. It only kicks in if someone without insurance hits you and you have medical bills as a result of that and they don't have an auto liability policy to pay for your medical bills, you can turn and use that first party coverage to go towards uh, your medical bills. I think it's a great coverage to have. Not everybody cares for it because a lot of people just, you know, well, I've got good health coverage. I'll just use that. And I'm not worried about uninsured motors coverage. And that's fine and well, too. Um, but I think most people feel extra protected because they're like, oh, if anybody hits me, my car is going to get fixed because I have uninsured motors coverage. And I have to sit them down and go, no, <laughs> no, 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 that's actually not what's going to happen. You know, you've got to have a collision deductible on your policy for that to to take place so right. uninsured motors coverage that, i mean that telling you that's like once a day conversation yeah i i completely misunderstood it and i'm glad you explained it to me i'm have to listen to this part of the episode a few times and then find somebody <laughs> to hit me to put me in uh, no that doesn't sound right um <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
so what about home insurance? What are some of the things that we, and I, auto insurance has always been easy for me to get. Basically you just say, Hey, I need auto insurance for my vehicle. And they find a way of um, giving me a bill before the conversation's out or getting my credit card number. But home insurance is a little bit trickier, at least for, as the client, it, as the customer, it seems it's not as straightforward. So what are some of the things that you're looking for? And I have a story that goes with it, but I won't tell it unless you're not able to understand my meaning. Like what are some of the things as an insurance agent that you're, that customers need to know about home insurance? Yeah, there's a lot of moving pieces to home. Um, the first thing to understand is that you've got two separate deductibles, depending on what happens. You have a, you usually, most policies have a 1% wind and hail deductible. And what that means is that if we insure your home for 300,000 and you have a loss that's due to wind or hail, uh, your, your deductible is 1% of 300,000, which is, you know, 3000. If, if it's due to any other kind of loss, if it's lightning or fire or anything like that, and it has nothing to do with wind or hail, you typically have a $1,000 deductible. And I think people just like to hear what sounds good. And so they just always assume they heard that $1,000 deductible in there somewhere. And then when they go to file that wind and hail claim, they realize their deductible is 2800 3200 4000 you know, whatever it is. And then they go, Oh, I didn't know that that was going to be my deductible. And so understanding the difference between those two and also roofs are difficult. Um, you know, roofs are, are, are weird. Some insurance companies will cover your roof for as, you know, as long as you've had it. Now that's not very many anymore. Most insurance companies, it's full replacement cost on your roof. Uh, until your roof is over the age of 10 years. And then once it hits 10 years, it kind of goes on this depreciation schedule where every single year after the 10th year, they take a little bit more depreciation um, on the roof if there's a claim. But it's only like with Allstate, that only is in regard to wind and hail. Your roof could be 15, 20 years old. If lightning strikes it or there's a fire, it's full replacement costs. So and then some companies will only do actual cash value strictly on a roof or they'll exclude the roof or, you know, cause insurance companies, they, they like to make money too. And they make tons of it. And in Oklahoma, there's, there's hail damage on about every single roof in the States. So that's where we see a lot of claims. So insurance policies have, you know, insurance companies have adjusted, you know, slightly how they look at paying a roof and they can do lots of different things and uh, with how that's going to potentially play out. So Asking good detailed questions about how your roof is covered is important. So how's my roof covered exactly? Have we never talked yeah. about that? <laughs> yeah. That does bring up, uh, because Oklahoma, um, specifically the part, well, actually most of Oklahoma, tornadoes are very common. Does yeah. tornadoes fall under the hell and wind or is that a separate? Yep. Because, I mean, tornadoes, most of the day, I mean, unless they actually go right through your house, it generally is hell and wind that does most of their destruction. So is that what it falls under? Yeah, that's wind or hail. And, uh, you know, it, so I don't know why I didn't think of this before when you were asking what, what takes place on a home policy and something people should know. We get a lot, you know, wind and hail is big, like you just said, in Oklahoma. And, and we got a lot of questions about trees and trees are really tricky and they're misunderstood. So if you have a big tree in your yard and the wind blows it over and it lands on your neighbor's house, 
I think it's kind of our instinct to think that if that was my tree and the wind blew it over onto my neighbor's house, it's my fault. Somehow I'm responsible for it. But, but the truth of the matter is, is that's your neighbor would have to file a claim on their, they would have to file a wind and hail loss on their own policy because there has to be negligence. There has to be something that says that the homeowner did something that contributed to the loss or that their negligence contributed to the loss. They didn't do any, you know, they didn't create a tornado. They didn't, they didn't, you know, get the winds to, to shake up or lightning to hit that tree. So trees are the most, and we see so many neighbors get into it. I've had people, you know, in my office screaming at each other about who's responsible for somebody's tree. And so also it kind of boils down to just being a good neighbor. <laughs> you know, just be nice to people. It doesn't sound like you're in good hands when you say be a good neighbor. So I'm just saying. Yeah, that's, uh, that's true. That probably wasn't <laughs> a good. I need to find a different way to, to phrase that. <laughs> <laughs> We're not editing that part out. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah, you can keep that. Um, so how does that work then? If the, I don't have any tree. My only, I have a little tree in my yard that's, if it fell over, it wouldn't even hurt a blade of grass. That's how minuscule it is. But yeah, if I had a big tree, but I was keeping it trimmed well and stuff, and it ended up falling in my neighbor's house, did massive damage. Do they have any recourse to file a claim or is it, how, how does that nope. look? No, as long as you've kept that tree up and, and, and uh, you've taken care of it and something like lightning or wind blows it over onto their home, that's a claim on their home. The only time it could come back to you is, you know, you've got this big tree in your yard and, and one of the branches has been snapped in half and it's just kind of been hanging on there for a long time and you re- you've refused to do anything about it, even though you know it's a hazard and then something comes along. Then the neighbor could be like, look, you know, you knew this was an issue. If your neighbor was smart, they'd take pictures and put something in writing to you that says, hey, listen, you've got this hazard. Please take care of it. Cause then they're covered, you know, if something does happen, they can come back on your home policy and be like, look, he knew that this was going on and you refused to take care of it. Now as a, now as a result of his negligence, you know, my roof is smashed in and his trees in my living room. All right. So I've got a, I'm going to ask some very detailed questions or specific questions. And I know car insurance, you kind of get to pick from a lot of options. As long as you cover a certain basic thing, you're good legally, but then obviously to do more protection or more safety, you can add on the things. Is house the same way or is a house or a home, is that considered pretty much an all or nothing kind of thing? Um, you mean as far as like all or nothing, as far as like how they pay out on the home? No, like, so for, and I don't know all the terms for car insurance, so I'm going to fail on that, but you get the basic coverage, which is, um, tell me what's the basic coverage for auto, um, the minimum oh, like just liability. Yeah, liability. And, and um, but then if you want to add for, you know, uninsured driver, if you want to add for full coverage, you pay a higher rate, but you still have that I basic. See. But home insurance, it doesn't it seems like there's a lot less options on what you can have. Is that true or is it is it there are a lot of options that you can add on. Um, most people tend to not do them, even though some of them are valuable. You can increase certain coverage amounts. For, you know, things being stolen from your property, anything like jewelry or um, electronics or musical instruments or collectible items, um, they're all covered, but it's always covered a little bit differently if it's stolen from your property. And so sometimes you have to, 
you know, if you've got anything of certain value like that, you need to let the agent know so that they can put that on there. They can also schedule items on your home policy. The most, the most, um, the thing that we see scheduled the most are wedding rings, the, the wife's wedding rings. And so you can, you get an appraisal of the ring and you send it into your insurance and then we schedule it for a certain amount. And that basically means that that ring is covered anywhere in the world, no matter what happens to it. So even if you're on a cruise and it, you know, somehow falls off your hand and into the ocean, you know, it's going to be covered because we specifically stated on your policy that that ring is going to be covered for a certain amount. But as far as like full coverage goes, you know, you, you know, with auto, you don't have to have a comprehensive or collision deductible on a home. I don't even know that it's possible to get a home policy without having a wind and hail and all other peril deductible. Um, right. And that's so kind of we, what I was thinking. So you're, it's pretty, even though there's some things you can definitely add on or specialize in pretty much every home insurance is going to be similar at the, uh, for, for the yeah. most part. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're not going to find out that the tornado wasn't covered on your home policy because you did <laughs> something right. It's it's pretty much covered all on all of them. <laughs> all right, so one of the, I want to say myth, but it's not really a myth. It's just one of those scenarios that everybody's always worried about because it happened sometime in either the 70s or the 80s or the 90s or the aughts or the 20s, you know, and I don't even know if it's real, but an intruder comes on my property, they're breaking into the house, and they trip and fall and hurt themselves. Now, I know they can sue me, but is there any insurance claim that they can get from that? Man, yeah, that's, a, that's a really good question that I don't know that I've had, and I've certainly never had to deal with it. Um, I don't know necessarily about intruders, but I do know one that is way more common than that, which is dog bites. And it's always been understood to me, and I've always seen it work this way, that you know, like I said before, with the trees, there's got to be some negligence on the homeowner. But with dog bites, dog bites fall under strict liability, meaning that they don't care about negligence. And basically, if a dog, if your dog bites somebody, then your homeowner's policy is going to pay for it. So if the intruder hurts himself jumping over your fence to get into your yard, I don't know that the medical would pay us. That's a good question. But if, if he jumps over into your backyard and the dog bites him and he's got medical bills, then your home policy is more than likely going to pay for that. Okay. I did not know that. Um, so that actually leads to a separate question <laughs> that actually happened this year. And I really feel bad about this. We got a new dog in February. Well, I guess it's 2020. Uh, we got a new dog in February and a few months we had a fence that needed repaired um, both sides. We both knew it. We just kind of weren't in a hurry to fix it. Uh, sure. My neighbor's dog came over into our yard and our dog normally stayed inside, never went outside. And so it just so happened we let the dog out at that point, saw the neighbor's dog and chased after it and took a bite out of the dog's behind. Um, <laughs> I know you're just thinking of the humor speech that's going with this. Admit it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, the bite wasn't bad, but the dog partially impelled itself on the fence um, where it was broken. Now we made a deal with our neighbors um, that we both went half and half on rebuilding a new fence and they took care of the veterinarian cost, even though we offered to help out what we ended up doing. I think we ended up paying like 60, 40 because we, since we still felt bad for the dog. Now sure. I didn't even think about that being something to call you about. So that's something I probably should have said, Hey, my dog bit another dog in our yard 
does that does that follow the same lines of someone jumping over a fence and getting bit by our dog or yeah i'm pretty sure that it would i mean a dog biting another dog i think that would still pay out for liability i mean um i don't know that they'd be any different just because your dog bit another dog and not a person um but i always I, i think you did the right thing honestly because i've i've always told people you know, if you've got a good relationship with your neighbor and, and you're able and willing to do it, most of the time, those things are better off settled just between the two of you, because it's usually not a tremendous amount of money anyway, not always. I've seen neighbors get into some really big fits and, and lose some good friendships, you know, over, you know, either a vet bill or, or a tree removal bill that they could have split for a couple hundred dollars a piece, you know, and it's, you know, sometimes you just have to step back and go, well, what, is this really going to be worth filing a claim on you and, you know, getting an attorney involved possibly and doing all these different things. So it sounds like you did the right thing, but if, if, if the insurance, there's a, a high chance they would have paid that. Well, and just so everybody knows the dog is okay. It's, it's working. Yes. And since the new fence, we have not been in our yard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that, that's actually really good to know. So if you have home insurance and someone jumps your fence and they get bit by any of your animals or is it just specifically dogs? It's usually just your dogs, but okay. I, I guess it is if, if it was any animal that was yours. Okay. So even though I'm not liable as the owner, my insurance would pay if a claim was made. Yeah. Just due to strict liability, your insurance company is going to almost always pay that one out. And would that increase my premium? <laughs> see not always i mean it, it, a claim is always subject to be surcharged on your policy um you know it sometimes it depends on the amount how much the surcharge is people get really freaked out about surcharges on claims i mean it does affect your rate some but it's usually not as brutal as people think it's going to be right. you know I, I have people get in accidents and they're like oh my god my premium's going to be unaffordable and then it renews and we surcharge them and it's like Fourteen dollars more a month or something, and they're like, "Oh, that that was it." Yeah, yeah, that was it. <laughs> it's not always horrible. Well, I, I know, like when I first switched over, which is one of the things I think that my previous insurance company had been charging us for, and this was on car. But my parents had lived at our household, and of course, my parents share the same last name as I do. So yeah. even though we were two separate households, within I said household, but we're two separate households within the same property. Well, uh, my mom had gotten in a wreck uh, or crash. See, I already messed up. Uh, my mom got in a crash and somehow my previous insurance company added it to ours. And yep. we're like, what's going on? We haven't gotten in a crash. You're like, no, you got in a crash. I'm like, no, we hadn't. Um, and then you, you're like, well, so who's this person? And I was like, oh, that's my mom. Well, does she live with you? Well, yes, but not like, she's not part of our household. That's a, it's a separate thing. And you're like, oh, well, click, click, click. Yeah, you're, you don't have to worry about that at all. And I'm like, was that so hard for somebody else to have yeah. <laughs> asked that question? Um, and so another home insurance. Okay, so this is the other one. Uh, people, door-to-door salesmen or salespeople, they trip on your step or there's a broken piece of cement on your sidewalk or something. They slip and fall. What does that qualify under? Um and we'll say legitimate. We're not talking about people that are trying to scam. We'll say legitimate. What is yeah, that? No, nothing, <laughs> nothing for the scammers. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just going to go jump some fences, see what I can get out of. 
Yeah, yeah, seriously. Let's, yeah, let's go see what let's go see how we can get paid today. Um, again, that again, kind of like going back to the trees. It's all about negligence, you know. If, if somebody comes over and just, you know, trips on your on your front porch step, you know, trips over their feet or misses a step or whatever, you might you probably have at least a minimum of a thousand dollars of what's called guest medical uh, protection. So there's usually that little built-in buffer. It's usually anywhere from a thousand to five thousand. That's one of those things you can you can change, and that's kind of like almost like a peace offering. Like, look, we didn't really do anything wrong. We weren't at fault in any way. There was no negligence, but you did get hurt. And you know, we've got two thousand in guest medical protection that we can offer you. But for them to be able to go after your large liability limit of you know a hundred thousand, it kind of goes back to. Well, did they just trip and fall or did they trip because, you know, the, the concrete was all jacked up on your on your front porch steps and you just let it continue to get worse and worse and didn't do anything about it. So okay. it all goes back to negligence. And, you know, did the did the homeowner do something? Was there negligence present that could have prevented that accident from happening? OK, well, last scenario uh, pools. Oh boy, a good one, Mike. <laughs> uh, when we when we bought our house, we um, there was an uh, uh, a, not underground above ground pool that was already uh-huh. here, and uh, I know that affects insurance a little bit. I don't really care about the fact that we had to pay insurance on that, but we removed the pool after a couple of years because we weren't using it, and just the different cost. Uh, honestly, just mosquitoes alone was the cost yeah. of paying. Um, but so we drained the pool. Um, we got rid of the pool. Um, what is that? What are like some of the insurance benefits or costs that have with coming with a pool? I mean, I expect you to pay more with a pool than not with a pool, but what are some of the things to look out for on that? You know, people assume that if you have a pool, your insurance is going to go up a lot and it really doesn't change hardly at all. Um, well, that explains considered... why my premium didn't go down after we got rid of it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. You probably, it wasn't costing you anything to have it there there's, there's two things that are important. One, you have a, a, a portion on your policy called other structures that basically pays for other structures on your property that are not connected to your house. So, you know, I don't, your mailbox, your fence, a shed or a pool. And so one thing is if your other structure, when you get a pool, you should check on your other structures coverage and make sure that it's adequate enough to cover the pool you know, typically an above ground pool is only a couple thousand dollars, you know, six, seven, eight thousand. And your other structures is always a percentage of what your home is insured for. So in most cases, it's covered. It's you've got enough. But if you get a really nice pool, you need to make sure that there's enough other structures coverage there, you know, to protect that eighty thousand dollar pool you just had installed. The other thing that, that you have to be careful for is now your your liability. Uh, has increased more than anything. So, you know, if you've got a $100,000 liability limit on your home policy, you might want to call and max it out at like 500,000. The cost to do that is, I mean, maybe a few dollars more a month. I mean, it's really minimal because now you've got, you know, this pool in your backyard where something could happen. And if somebody drowns or, you know, even starts to drown and has to go to the hospital or I don't know, whatever, um, you know, you're looking at, at a really high liability risk because 
whether it's your home or your auto, if your liability limit is a hundred thousand and you're, and, and they find that you're responsible for more than a hundred thousand dollars, then the insurance company says, look, that's what you paid for. That's your limit. That's all the money we're handing out. We're writing a check for a hundred thousand dollars and anything over that's on you. And that's where they can come after your assets or garnish your wages or, or collect. And again, these are, you know, this isn't stuff that happens every single day, but if you've got that pool, your risk has gone up. And so it's worth it to make sure your liability goes up too. And then thirdly, uh, I don't think that thirdly is a word. I made that up, but third, actually it is a word as long as you is use it really? first. Yeah. As long as you use firstly and secondly, we had a debate at a meeting. I was a grammarian and I looked it up um, as soon as I heard it. And it is actually a word. Awesome. Well, see, now I can use thirdly confidently. And when someone looks at me weird, I'm going to be like, ha, look it up. It's a word. And uh, so thirdly, you, your pool's covered just like the other things in your house. It's if the pool, you know, it comes up out of the ground. That happens sometimes. The earth shifts and the pool comes up. You know, that's just part of being a pool owner, unfortunately. We're only covering the pool if it's a wind loss, a hail loss, a lightning loss, you know, some sort of covered loss on the policy. If, if the pool just has, you know, maintenance issues or it cracks because of wear and tear over time or it start, it wasn't installed correctly or whatever, you know, those are those are back to hoping you've got a good warranty on the pool or, you know, the people that did it. If there was something they did wrong, they can hopefully come out and make it right. I know I said last scenario, but two more came up in my mind in the middle of this. Um, <laughs> so let's say you removed a pool and now you have a big hole in the backyard. <laughs> Yes. And someone jumps a fence and goes and they fall and they twist their ankle or, well, that doesn't sound like it's too much. Let's say they break their leg. They fall in that hole and break their leg. Am I liable for that, even though they trespassed on property or is that? Yeah. You, I mean, that's where you can kind of get into an argument. And that's honestly, if, it, if you've got a case that wild, there's probably attorneys involved. And then attorneys are making really big arguments about you know, that hole should have been covered up. It wasn't protected. And then the other attorney saying, well, there's a fence around the property for crying out loud. Like, what are you doing? Jumping the fence and trespassing. And right. so sometimes those claims, you know, really like those weird scenarios oftentimes will get into litigation. And then, you know, sometimes it's a matter of just the insurance company, the, the fence attorney that they, you know, they're lending you through your home policy to defend you in that loss. They'll be like, look, let's just settle. You know, it's not worth going to court for. It's not worth taking this all the way to a jury. You know, maybe it's covered, maybe it's not. But, you know, we need this to go away. And and they could possibly prove a point in a, in a trial. So let's, let's mediate with them and see what we can, you know, find out to settle with them. Because once you settle, they sign that that settlement agreement and that's, and then they're done. They can never come back in, in any other form or fashion and try and collect again. Okay. Um, so let's say somebody crashes their car or the side of their car rubs up against like uh, they're in a drive through again. I'm sure this is not from personal experience and <laughs> <laughs> rubs up against one of those little pillars or something in a drive through because they just misjudged the speed. Does that help that? And their full coverage, full coverage on their auto. Is that going to increase their premium? Um, it could. If, yeah. I mean, it's considered an at fault accident on your fault, uh, on your part, because, you know, you, you ran into the pole. 
Now, if you've got a good policy like you've got with me and it's got accident forgiveness, then you're good. So it's not going to, it's not going to have your rate go up. So, so I should, even though it might've happened maybe two years ago, um, <laughs> and I just have a nice yellow streak on my home vehicle. Should I, yeah. should I still go ahead and get that fixed? Yeah, you could maybe, yeah. You'll have to call okay. me and we'll have to look and see. Hey, yeah, uh, Drew, I need to call you later this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you need to, I'll look for your call this week. But yeah, yeah, you, you always want to check because oftentimes they, they you you know, we have these customers panic about this before they even ask. And we tell them, it's like, look, you got accident forgiveness. You know, don't worry about it. You know, just file the claim and move on. There's worse things in the world. Do you sell any other insurance other than home and auto? Yeah, we sell life insurance, which is a big one. Um, I, I encourage that with people all the time. You know, it's really not as expensive as what people think it's going to be. And it's the best way you know, to really protect your family. If anything, I mean, you are your biggest asset, you and your, your income are the biggest asset to your value. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's like, it's a compliment. It's a, uh, but you really are. And so if anything were to happen to you and you were to pass away, you know, what, what would your, what would the life look like for your wife and kids or, or your husband and kids? If the wife passes away, what does that, what does life look like now? Um, you know, how are you going to make it without the other one's income? And so, the neat thing about life insurance is what most people don't understand is it's it's tax free. So if you do pass away, you get that check and you don't owe a penny of it to Uncle Sam and you get it right away. It doesn't have to go through probate or, or anything like that. Um, debt collectors are not allowed to touch your um, life insurance benefits. So you know, in, in a, in a time where you might need it the most, it, it, it always pulls through. And I tell people this all the time, because unfortunately I've, I've paid some life insurance claims and I tell you, it's, it's everything you wish your home and auto policy was because nobody cares who was at fault or what happened or any kind of investigation. I kind of jokingly tell people you're either breathing or you're not. And if you're not, the only thing I need is a death certificate. And within about a week, you know, the FedEx guy comes to my office and there's a check for a hundred thousand or 200,000 or whatever made payable, you know, to, to the, to the surviving spouse. And it's always been like, it's a, it's a very clean, quick process. And okay. it always amazes me how well that goes. And, um, you know, it's not like having to wait over a year after your crash and wondering, yeah, how is yeah, it that I still get... haven't gotten my money? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's nobody cares. It's like, you just bring me the death certificate and within a week you've got a check. I mean, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now I know lots of variables cause I saw about Schmidt several years ago. So I know there's lots of variables that define my category. Does being in the midst of the pandemic, has that changed life insurance deductibles at all or is it, or premiums or whatever, or is it still not deductible? Sorry. Premium. Has that changed life insurance premiums at all? Or is it still been pretty? No, it's pretty standard still. I mean, no matter what life insurance policy you get, you go through an underwriting process. And so they look at your health background. Now they had some stuff come out on it today. It's funny you asked me, it came out today through an, uh, an email with Allstate and I just hadn't, I didn't have the time to sit and read it today. I'm, I'm sure for, for people that have had COVID or tested positive for COVID and then to what extent did it affect them? I'm sure they can probably, um, that's probably taken into, you know, factoring your price and your premium, but it hasn't, 
but not to the point where all of a sudden it's like, oh, I've, I've tested positive for COVID or now I, now I can't get it. Or there's no moratorium right now saying, you know, hey, there's a pandemic. You can't get life insurance, you know, because sometimes they'll do that with like if there's wildfires in certain areas, they'll put moratoriums on it and say, look, you're not allowed to sell a home insurance policy right now because it's somebody that needs one that knows they're getting ready to have a loss. And we're not falling for that. So with life insurance and through the pandemic, that's not the case. And I've had a couple people ask me that. And now you can still go get life insurance, even with the pandemic. And they're still going to underwrite you just like they do anything else. And if you've had it, they're just going to look into it and look at the extent and, you know, go from there. But I, it's unlikely you're going to get denied because of it. All right. Final subject, I promise. Or not. Yep. Tort reform. <laughs> I'm just joking. Oh, goodness. Okay, thank you. <laughs> what is the best way for someone, let's say they're interested in potentially getting one of those three, home, life, um, or auto insurance, what's the best for, way for them to contact you? Email or, or direct message me on Facebook, and I almost always respond pretty quickly because... And what is that email? Huh? <laughs> what's that email that they can contact you? Yes, at drewwaters at allstate.com. D-R-E-W-W-A-T-E-R-S at allstate.com. Hot dog! Hot dog! Hot dog! Hot dog! Hey listeners, it's Jarvix again with my hot dog song of the week. This episode, I'm featuring a song by alternative rock band Pabu. Pabu is a four-piece with your usual guitar and drum makeup and maybe the occasional synth. They like to show off a nice riff, a crisp pedal, and a pounding rhythm like many, but they also have a specific style. Combining intentionally drab, almost droll vocals with a restless undercurrent of rock music, it feels like internalized emotion bubbling to the surface and pouring over the edge while the lid still rests heavily on top. I get something out of Pabu that I don't find in neighboring genres like pop punk and shoegaze. My gateway into this still fairly new band is an ambitious chap named Parker, a rock guitarist who I've been following for a while now. When I first started delving into the many layers of Oklahoma City's music scene, I stumbled upon a promising new band called Noise Bleeds Sound playing the now-defunct First Pastafarian Church of Norman. I was struck by how much energy was on that stage and the creativity that went into the band's live set. As I became more familiar with the band, it was soon apparent that this guitarist was a big reason that band rocked so hard. Well, now he's in, among other things, Pabu, a band which has spent more of its time in the public eye to date in quarantine than rocking live venues, which is so, so unfortunate. I have a feeling that when we can all go back to large events again, this is a band that is going to fire straight out of the barrel. I'm looking forward to what they'll do in the coming year. The song I'm playing is called Adam Driver, named after the acclaimed actor whose breakthrough role was Kylo Ren in the newer Star Wars trilogy though that should hardly characterize the breadth of his work. If this song is in any way about Adam Driver, I honestly have no idea what it could possibly be. But I also confess that I haven't seen The Last Jedi or The Rise of Skywalker, so there's that. I do know that there's an ongoing trend of naming songs after celebrities. Regardless, if alternative music is your thing, stay tuned for this one and look for the band to make moves in the coming months. Follow them on Instagram at PabuBand, that's P-A-B-U-B-A-N-D. And if you want to check out and support their music, 
I know I make a big deal about Bandcamp on this podcast, but I think Pabu would love to have your Spotify streams if you happen to be a Spotify user. If you do, be sure to follow them there so you can stay up on all the releases that are sure to come. Here is Adam Driver by Pabu.
Thank you, Pabu. Wow, man, that brings me back to some great music. Thank you so much for that, Jarvix, for recommending them. Thank you to my friend and insurance agent, Drew Waters. Please support Dulce Paradiso and Drew Waters' is Allstate. Don't forget to support Owen. <laughs> Don't forget to support our neighborhood empowered, 1okc.org. I hope you know more than ever that we have to be together for this world to succeed. Nobody's a nobody, and that means you. Until next time.